Hello, my name is Scott Bradley, and this is Scott's Got a Podcast. And today, as always, I'm joined by Chris Turner. Chris, how are we? Yeah, not too bad yourself. I'm very well, mate. So it's been an eventful last nine days or so, and we're just going to dive right into it, and we're going to speak about the Old Firm Derby, where Rangers won 1-0. And it's safe to say, Chris, it was a champion's performance from Rangers. What did you make of it? Yeah, champion's performance is probably the right way to sum it up. Um, obviously, Gerard wasn't there, self-isolating. Um, don't know if he had COVID or if he was just a close contact of whoever was positive within the Rangers camp. Um, none of those details are public yet, but um, yeah, fine um, performance on the day by the squad managed by Gary McAllister and missing a few key players. And I'll be honest, right, you see first half, Chris, I didn't think there was much between the teams. I thought it was fairly even. No, definitely not. Um, I think Celtic came out on the front foot a wee bit better. Um, Kyogo, well, Morelos had that first chance in the opening minute or so. Um, then Kyogo had the shot that was widening over. Um, McCrory, who was in as the third-string keeper for McGregor and McLaughlin, who were also out isolating, um, he took him out and kicked the ball away. And then the first real chance of the game was... Um, when Kyogo playing out left out of position, um, squaring it up for Edward, and I don't know what went wrong there. But Edward, he's obviously will come to the transfers later on in the show, but um, you expect like, a striker of the value that he's, that Crystal Palace have just paid for him, that he's going to make those kind of plays and get them in the back of the net. And I think it just completely come off the wrong part of his foot. Yeah, like we're well coming to that, right? But I do have to agree with you. Though. I thought Celtic started off in the front fruit. Um, they were they had bags of Compton, so they did that. Kind of did surprise me, and it took a while for us to really get settled into the game. In the second half, we've seen more of that, which we will come to. But that Edward chance, Rangers got away with that big time because see when Kyogo played that ball uh, across, I was thinking, right, Edward's just going to bury this, and he hit it wide. I could not believe it. No, definitely not. Um, then. As you say, it um, wasn't too much else between teams in the first oh, half. Um, yeah, Kent. I was just going to say, then obviously Ryan Kent in the first half, like you see the first half, he didn't really create a whole lot. And neither did Celtic, apart from obviously that chance with uh, Edward. Um, but Ryan Kent obviously clipped uh, the post in the first half. So he did. Um, for, like I was saying to some of the guys around me, um, I was like, we're taking a bit of time here to get settled into this game. Celtic will look up for the occasion I felt as though like Celtic going into the game had a point to prove uh, and they knew they were going into a very hostile, intimidating atmosphere. Um, so, I was, so second half starts, Chris and Rangers, by far, in my opinion, second half looked so much better than they did first. Rangers were like beaming with confidence, really having a go at Celtic and you can see Celtic were kind of shook by how much Rangers were up for it second half. Yeah, um, I think the half-time break did Rangers a lot of favours. Um, I think there was a few things Ange could have done at half-time. He did come out after the match and was honest that he might perhaps got it wrong um, with the formation and stuff that Kyogo perhaps should have been up front. Um, but yeah, the Hillander header when that went in, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Because so we'll speak about that as well, right? That was a delightful set piece from Bonabarasic right into the box, which Halander headed home. And Chris, when that goal went in, Ibrox 
went, went berserk. I've not heard anything like that in a long time, obviously, due to COVID, you know. But yeah, it was a unbelievable feeling. Um, and I see, go like just talking about the midfield as well, I want to bring this up. First half, Davis and Kamara weren't really doing all that much. They looked a wee bit flat, a wee bit shaky. Second half, though, they were they just really came into that element. Boston midfield. I thought Rangers second half were knocking the ball around much more quicker with which, with them. A lot more pace, more lively. And yeah, the goal the goal was sensational. So it was. Um, it was a bullet of a header. And at that moment in time, I knew we were going to go on and win it. Because I feel as though the difference between Rangers and Celtic right now is the mentalities. And obviously, don't get me wrong, I think Rangers are a much better team than Celtic. But see, when it comes to the mentality, Rangers have that stronger mentality. And when Celtic conceded that goal, you just seen the heads go down. They knew, that's it. Rangers are going to go on and win this. See, at that moment, though, when Hollander scored, did you think that too? Like, right, that's it. Game's done. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat. Um, I knew Rangers have uh, far more, more resolved than us. So obviously, um, still working on that, getting a bit of time. Um, just back to the set piece. Um, seems to be a kind of nagging Achilles heel, um, conceding goals from set pieces. It's still an area we need to work on. Um, but yeah, at that point, then Rogic came on. I thought if he'd been on a bit earlier, it could have perhaps changed things up a little bit and might have been looking at even a point on the day. But I will admit, see, towards the end, Chris, there were a couple like scary moments, shall I say, um, where obviously Kyogo uh, was through and uh, Ross McCrory came out and made a really good save. And I thought Ross McCrory, mate, on the day, handled himself like tremendously well, especially for a young boy that age being thrown into an old firm game, pressure's on, he, I thought he handled it superbly, you know, and I just want to touch on this as well, Kyogo had a, a chance, like another chance right towards the end where he had Ryan Christie in the box, could have squared it to him, but had a shot, McCrory saved it. I bet at that moment, Chris, you were just like losing your mind, like what is he thinking here? Yeah, I was like, just just shoot, don't try and square it up, Um I uh, just it's like you're the natural finisher in that. Just like don't try and swear it up to ten our player, just go for goal. What are you thinking? Yeah, how do you think Kyogo played in the day? Um well, I was going to bring this up. Um Leon Balligan, obviously Leon Balligan was Balligan, his, you know, yeah. best player on the pitch. Yeah, uh, third third stringer, right back, um, obviously Captain Tavo and Patterson. Um but so props to Balgan keeping him quiet on the left hand side when he was out there and until Edward got subbed off. Um, so yeah. Yeah, um like see that's the thing, no, see when I seen the team sheet and I was like right away when I seen Balogun starting right back, and obviously I think we all remember the last time he started at right back in old firm game he had a nightmare. Um, and when I did see that, I was like, right, where's Parson? What's going on here? You know, and then Balogun silenced a lot of doubters. He was sensational. He kept Kyogo quiet throughout the whole game. And that was the, the guy I was quite worried about going into because obviously he's had a tremendous start at Celtic. Bags the energy, bags the pace. And I was worried that Kyogo was going to have a field day with Balogun, but Balogun was just sensational. He just he had Kyogo in his back pocket. Yeah, he certainly did. Um, Kyogo's had quite a 
good start was as well. I think it's what six goals and eight appearances, something like that. Um, so yeah, props to Balogun for keeping quiet. Yeah, do you think the occasion probably got to Kyogo? Uh, perhaps it did a little bit. Um, obviously, quite a lot of the team that would have been their first experience in Old Firm and as well. Um, I think he was actually though the first Celtic manager to lose his first Old Firm since Tony Mowbray. So not the kind of company you want to don't want to be in that club, do you? No, no, not at all, you know. Um, but I thought, like, second half, we were, like, really composed and we were, we just handled the occasion so well because there was a lot of pressure on us going into that game because there was a lot of speculation in the press and a lot of pundits coming out and saying Rangers have had a bad start to the season, even though we've had the exact same start as Celtic. And the people were coming out and saying, like, yeah, Celtic have had a great start. No, and Rangers have had a bad start. No, Rangers Celtic have had the exact same start, you know. And it's just, I don't know what it is, but it's just the classic uh, Scottish media just trying to stir up stuff and just trying to paint a weird narrative, you know. And Rangers went on, won the game, and they've they, they done it in convincing fashion, even though the, overall it was, I wouldn't say Celtic were really poor in the day, but I think it really did come down to mentality and us handling the occasion better. And I think going forward, that is the, the big confidence boost that we needed to really kickstart our season, I think, Chris. Yeah, definitely. For us, um, it does obviously feel like a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, obviously, I've touched on it before. Um, after that Hearts game, it was like this season's going to be as bad as we expected. Um, then we started getting a bit of a good run of results. Fair enough that this was the measurement stick game, so, but we handled it a lot better than we were perhaps fearing a few weeks ago, but yeah, it does feel a bit of a missed opportunity. Just look at some of the stats. Obviously, the stat that matters is the 1-0 scoreline, but 66% possession, Rangers manager not there, a um, couple of backups haven't come into play, um, so it was an oppor- opportunity there to be had, um, it was just like the response Rangers had in the second half that was our undoing on the day. Yeah, I just want to touch on uh, uh, Robbie McCrory again. Um, I just, I was just really, really impressed with his whole, like, the way he handled the occasion. He was just so composed because young, well, like most young goalkeepers nowadays, just being thrown into an old firm game like that, they would, there's nine times out of ten they can crumble, you know. So I'm really excited to see that, what the future lies for him because I imagine this season, Chris, will be. McGregor's last so yeah he's like McCrory he's got a big future ahead of him but like were you impressed with how he handled the, the whole occasion uh, uh, of it? Yeah definitely obviously first time he's been kind of thrown in like this um, obviously McGregor's got bags of experience um, I don't think McLaughlin's started any of the old films like last season did they no? No no, I didn't think so. Um, anyway, so yeah, he was a good good young keeper in that. I've seen what he's capable of doing playing out on loan. Um, but yeah, obviously came out his goal a few times, made the save towards the end from Kyogo. So yeah, I think he didn't do anything wrong on the day and made the saves that he was expected to make. And I just want to touch on Celtic because um, I know we spoke quite a bit about Rangers there. Um what did you make of the, the performance of Ryan Christie? Like, obviously, that was Ryan Christie and Edwards' last games at Celtic. Both of them just looked like they were, they didn't really seem fussed, especially Edward. Like, 
what a way to bow out at Celtic. Your last old firm game, or your last game at Celtic against Rangers, and he was the worst player in the park. Yeah, um, Christy, like, the last few weeks leading up to that game, like, showed some games where they were all like, always putting in world-class level performances in that here. Um, maybe a bit of an overstatement, but um, did have me a little bit disappointed that we didn't sign him up and that he went for so little, given the quality of performances he put in by that last game. Um, Edward as well. Um, had a few alright games when he looked like he could be bothered, but on that day, they just didn't look bothered. I don't know if that had any, that was a factor in how he completely mishit that, which should have been the opening goal. Um, and that's kind of like his last, like, sort of a great act for in a Celtic jersey. See, at times, though, when it comes to like big games, I've always felt like, well, just I wouldn't say this has always been the case, but I've always felt like this recently about Edward that at times that you are actually like worse with him playing in the team like if if his mentality isn't there you're sort of worse with him in the team would you agree yeah definitely um there was like well who, who did the play was it the thursday night before or or was it even the Manchester game i can't remember but whatever game was before the game we played st Mary, and i remember um i thought his performance the game before was just absolutely stinking and then it was like when I seen the team sheet for the St Mirren game, it was like Kyogo starting up front. I was like, I like this move. So I, I'd say that he definitely did drag the team down any time he was starting up front. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel as though Rangers beating Celtic in the, the first Old Firm game of the season really did bring the Celtic fans back to reality? That like I, I know that Celtic fans have been a, like quite excited about some of the football they've seen under Potokoglu, but obviously coming up against a real good team like Rangers and then losing, do you feel as though that's like a reality check for Celtic and they're like, okay, we're not as good as we think we are. There's still a long, long way to go. This is a rebuild season. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, still like 34, 35 games or whatever it is left in the league, anything can happen kind of thing. But um, yeah, it definitely did. Like, kind of gave fans a bit of a dose of reality that we came up against the champions, they put in a sort of champions performance um, and proven why they're like a step above the rest of the competition including ourselves, so but uh, I'm content as a game that we can learn from in that Yeah, because see, when you when you look at it, right, Rangers were missing Alan McGregor and John McLaughlin, Captain James Tavernier and we're missing our manager Rangers like going into that, you're thinking, oh, Celtic could get something here. But no, Rangers went in there, got the three points, kept a clean sheet. And obviously we had some hiccups along the way, like in terms of what I just mentioned, they were missing our manager, Captain McGregor and McLaughlin. Rangers still got the job done, you know. So it just shows from what I've been saying all along uh, on the pod that this squad have a winning mentality and they have a champion's mentality. And like, even though we were, we were missing some key... Uh, like elements uh, on uh, last Sunday, it didn't really matter because this squad has so much good quality and depth in it. Yeah, that, that's all it boils down to at the end of the day. The, I did know going into the game that Rangers, um, well, that part of the squad depth's why you were able to go undefeated all last season and get such impressive results. So I knew that 
the squad depth would be a factor in it that players would step up for the occasion, especially in Old Firm, and show what they're all about and get, try and get the job done at the end of the day. I was going to say this as well, right? Do you think the like obviously the media have been hyping up Celtic quite a bit recently? Do you feel like the hype has been a bit over exaggerated due to the fact that Celtic have been pretty terrible over the last 18 months and now like they've been playing against, let's be honest, Chris, Celtic have been playing against pretty crap teams, right? And they've been playing some good stuff against crap teams. Do you feel as though because Celtic are poor for so long, Celtic fans are just over exaggerating? How good Celtic are? Uh, well, I I was trying to remind myself that I had to sort of pinch myself, like getting results like that. Um, obviously, I, I feel I do feel like now that Andrew's probably the right guy in for the job in that. Um, kind of the like quick turnaround in that. Um, also kind of what to on the other side of it and thought if we want to get back to the level that. Celtic fans are accustomed to watching and being successful, then obviously not every single game, like it was two, six, nil wins in a row in the league. Um, it's like we should win from time to time against teams like that. So I was going to bring this stat up as well, right? Um, <laughs> it just shows you how much the tides have turned, Chris. That's seven old firm games unbeaten uh, for Rangers. Um, it's not a good start for uh, Celtic fans, is it? No, definitely not. I couldn't tell you what the our last worst run in old terms was, but uh, yeah, when you're not beating your arch rivals and it's costing you titles, it's certainly not good. Um, and also as well, <laughs> I think feel like I'm just like kicking the boot in at Celtic here, but um, Celtic have not won an away league game in seven months, Chris. That is mental. That is... I, I, I seen that stat the other day and I was like, surely that can't be true. Like, that, I, when I, then I looked in and I was like, oh my God, that is that is ridiculous. I, 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 I couldn't even believe it myself. Um, I mean, I think we were at the split come like the end of March or something, so I don't think it's as bad a stat as has been made out, but um, even just the time frame in that, um, it's not not good. Yeah, and just want to say this as well, right? Um, the game uh, last Sunday, it was honestly one of the best old firm games I've been to due to the fact that that was uh, like my first old firm game at Ibrox since 2019. Like, it's mental to think, you know. And obviously, last season was great. Absolutely loved it, you know. But, like, see, obviously, when we were playing Celtic Ibrox and we were winning, beating them comfortably and that, and I'm just like, oh, I just so wish I was there. So, for the first old firm game back with fans, and it was 50,000 fans there, no Celtic fans at all, the atmosphere was incredible. Um, And the fact we got the win just made it all the more sweeter. And then see it full after the full when the full time whistle went, uh, the song "I'm Feeling It" came on, and obviously that was that song's quite popular amongst Rangers fans, Chris, due to the the day we were the weekend. Sorry, the weekend we won the league, and Gerard was doing the the belly slide in the dressing room with that song like blasting out, you know. So when that came on, Chris, oh, it was just sensational. I was like everyone was hugging each other. I was hugging strangers. It was just an incredible feeling, you know. And 
like obviously Ranger, it was not a ten out of ten performance uh, from Rangers, but it was a professional champions performance, and the atmosphere just made it all the better. Like the roar from the crowd when Hollander scored that, one of the best man, like one of the best genuinely, you know. Um, but yeah, it just felt so good just to have some sort of like normality back, to, like, just to be at Ibrox by a full house. It, it, it was sorely missed. It was sorely missed, Chris. Um, and at, like, obviously, like you're watching in telly, I don't know if you turned it off after full time whistle, but uh, I think you probably see my Snapchat story. The scenes were, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you've seen sensational, but it was. Uh, you have to admit, the, the scenes were like, it was something else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, is it true that the band can't think of their name? Um, I know who you're talking about. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. They're, they're apparently coming to Ibrox. Yeah, I, I think they are. Yeah, I think they're actually going to be coming to Ibrox in November, December time. You know, I was one thing I was kind of like surprised that we never done it's probably because we weren't allowed. I was surprised that we weren't able to or, like, we chose not to um, and, like, do the league flag thing because we've not unveiled that yet. I thought we are going to unveil the league flag against Jews, which would add more roll, uh, more salt into the wounds. <laughs> yeah, I, I dread that it was scheduled for a game in September. I, I don't know if there's, like, any reasons why you wouldn't be able to do it against your arch rivals. Um, don't know if, like, had there been Celtic fans there what before Rangers decided to remove any allocation for Celtic supporters, if that factored in, into it, they couldn't let risk a riot in that corner. Yeah, I was surprised. No, I was like, and I was uh, surprised when I did it on the day, but hey ho, like, yeah, I wonder when we will do it. Hopefully, we'll do it quite soon, but um. Yeah, see, like, well, just we'll, talk, we'll move on to something else in a minute. I just want to just uh, mention a couple more things to you before we do that. Um, so, see, after the old firm game, did you feel as though, like, did you feel like absolutely gutted, or did, was there like positives that you could take from that game? Like, were you like really downbeat? Obviously, you, you probably were, but were you like downbeat by the performance, or were you like, there's some things that we can at least be content with in the way Celtic played? Um. Obviously, the main takeaway was um, how far we've came this past month in such a short space of time that, as I say, we weren't, weren't hammered when a few weeks ago we were probably expecting that. Um, it's just really th- things to work on. Um, obviously, like, we had the majority of possession, two-thirds. Just got to do a bit something with that, be a bit more clinical. I'm confident that will come in time. Um, work on the set pieces, as I've said. That's obviously like being a nagging Achilles heel. Um, obviously, they weren't, weren't there on the day, but we did a bit of business on transfer deadline day. So, obviously, I will come at that, yeah. Um, but I just want to say this one last thing as well. Um, see, at the end of the game, um, Bonabarisic went onto the pitch and he looked quite emotional. When I seen that, I was like, oh god, like I was thinking, like thinking the worst in the sense of he's going to be leaving, you know, like because Bonabaric is one of our best players. He's like he's the best left back in the country without a shadow of a doubt, you know. So I was a bit worried that oh, is that him doing his wee farewells? But obviously that wasn't the case, and thank God um, he's staying put at Ibrox. So yeah, well, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on, Chris, before we move on to transfer deadline day? Well, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, no, I'm good with that. 
Right, okay, so let's move on to transfer deadline day. I've got a list of some of the transfers from the deadline. And a lot happened, Chris. Uh, a lot happened on the deadline day. It wasn't a quiet one. No, definitely not. Um, I basically just wrote down, I seen a graphic came up of every day that was in Celtic that summer and all the outgoings. Um, and it's quite drastic. You can see already that it's basically a brand new team that Celtic have, but that's what's that's what was needed. We needed to clear out a lot of the Deadwood. Deadwood. Yeah. Yep. Um so yeah, just looking at the window. Um the song the song goes already. We've got Abada, he's on the wing, we've got Kyogo doing his thing. They're probably two of the most impactful signings that we've made this window. Um Joe Hart obviously um he's made a big difference. Um made a lot of saves that on big occasions that I wouldn't expect Barkas or Bain to make. Um, just, I'm just working through the list. I'm, I'll come to the oh, ones yeah, no, that happen like, like, I, 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 don't, I know what you're saying. I like him. Um, like, we'll just... Uh, we'll talk, well, in fact, we'll, 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 see, because we're talking about Celtic, we may as well just uh, start with that. What do you make of Carter Vickers on loan? Is that how you say it? Carter Vickers, yeah, on loan from Spurs, centre-half. You happy with that one? Uh, yeah. Because I think he was linked a few times and they thought the deal wasn't going to get pushed through. And then I went on like, Twitter like, a matter of minutes before midnight to see if the deal had indeed gone through. Um, and sure enough, it had. So that kind of solves a bit more of a centre-back problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously, the, like, the, the, the defence itself is a major issue, you know, so it's... From a, like, I can imagine you're delighted that Postacoglu is going out and he's trying to improve in that area. Yeah, um, interestingly, Stephen Welsh, I don't think, was included in the Europa League squad. Oh, like, um, how do you think he's been playing for Celtic as of late? Do you think he's just had, like, he's been just thrown into it and he's just not really handled the, the pressure well? Um, did I see he was on the B team or something at the weekend? So, um, he's right, he kind of we had no other option but to play him, um, because of like injuries, Joanne still come back, um. And the lack of depth at the position at the time, so we kind of had to play him in that position, and maybe Ange hasn't liked what he's seen so far. But uh, yeah, just back to this list, um, Juranovic, obviously, he played out in the left in the old firm. Um, he, he'll need a bit of time. McCarthy, um, he's not had much of a pre-season. Um, so I think a lot of fans were bigging him up because like, he signed the same time as Hart. Yeah, like see the McCarthy thing, right? Mate, I, I'm going to say it now. I don't, I don't think he's going to do well at Celtic. I think he's too injury prone. I think he's going to flop. It reminds me a lot of when we signed Graham Dorans four years ago, right? Graham Dorans was like keyword was a good player in the Premier League, but we signed him when his legs were already in bits and he was finished. You know, I think that's the same with McCarthy as well. Like he was a good player in England. I feel like his legs are gone now. You know. Because I think there's a reason why no clubs are really like touching them in England, you know. So I, I don't know. I feel as though like Celtic went out and signed him because obviously everyone knows that he's a big Celtic man, and I think that played like a big factor in it, you know. But w- what's your thoughts on the whole McCarthy thing? Um, well, when him and Hart got announced together, I thought this is kind of like big name signings that Celtic kind of have to make to get the fans kind of excited again, but. Um, it's disappointing that he's not been able to really show anything of what he can do at this stage. Um, just go run through the last couple of signings. Our hog hide, we've not really seen much of him. I think 
think he's on the European side, but I think he was in the B team at the weekend. Um, Starfelt's beginning to be a wee bit more settled. He's still a little bit mistake prone, but um, hopefully, um, well, if Julian's fit and if Cam Cameron Carter Vickers is something else, then I think he might be the kind of next choice uh, centre back. Um, Shaw, we only saw a wee bit of him in the preseason. I was impressed with seeing him, but he's probably he's just a young boy, so he'll not really get too much an opportunity at this stage. Um, Liam, Liam Scales, uh, he's an interesting one because uh, it's like he's meant to be the best defender that came out of the Irish League in that. Um, no disrespect to that level of football or anything, but I thought it's a bit of a step up with Shamrock Rovers to Celtic. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously you've signed uh, uh, a Greek striker for £2.5 million, and Chris, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. <laughs> Jakumakis. Yes, <laughs> I wasn't even going to attempt to pronounce it. I tried it earlier on in preparation for the pod. I'm like, no, I'm giving that one to Chris because I'm terrible at trying to pronounce names. I just am. But what do you make of that? Then I think he's going to be a good addition at Celtic. Uh, well, him, Carter Vickers, and Yota from Benfica, the deadline day moves, like their moves that got me really excited. Obviously, someone coming from public being Benfica in this. Jack Marcus, he's meant to be a goal machine as well. He was was he the top scorer in the Dutch league, I think, or something like that. But uh, anyway, um, we needed like firepower up front, especially um, Edward going and um, a certain other striker that are away on loan. Yeah, we'll, we'll mention that now. Um, Lee Griffiths joins. Uh, well, he joined Dundee on a six-month loan. On deadline day, um, over, I see the response from the Celtic fans on Twitter. I, honest to God, like they were celebrating, like it was like the best thing ever. They were delighted to see the back of Lee Griffiths, even though it's for six months. Um, what were your thoughts on that? That uh, you must have been over the moon. Yeah, I was glad it was finally gone. Um, with his track record and it's controversial headline making over the summer I was like I the guy needs gone sooner um, not too su- even despite all that I'm still not too surprised that Dundee let kind of bottom ended the premierships kind of the level of club that he's been able to attract like they're the kind of club that would take a chance on someone like Griffiths in the hopes that it pays off in their favour yeah and like even Hibs uh, were not even interested in Griffiths they didn't want to like go anywhere near him you know so that just tells you all you need to know um, and I seen Griffiths came out and said um, when he first joined Dundee, he said, "I just want to be judged on football." And I seen that I was like, "That's not how it works, mate. <laughs> That's not how it works." No, definitely not. Like people aren't just going to forget about what you've done uh, in the, the past few years or like this year. You know, people are not going to forget. You know, like you're not getting away with it that easy, mate. <laughs> um, but the fact it's a six-month loan. Makes me think that Postacoglu isn't giving up hope on him because I originally thought it was just a a season long loan. Then his contract was up up at the end of the season, and Celtic would just be like, okay, part ways with him. But the fact it's only six months shows that Postacoglu isn't giving up on him. And if he does well at Dundee, you might give him another chance. What do you think? I, I, it was only shortly before coming on air when you message the Scott score chat Griffiths it's actually only a six month loan not a season long because I just assumed that it was a season long loan mm-hmm. um, so 
it is a weak little bit alarming that I'm just thinking put him on for six months, see how he does at another club, and then I might consider giving him another chance. But e- even at that, if um, well, don't see Kyogo scoring down to be honest, unless like touch with an injury takes him out or something, and then Jack and Marcus, uh, if he's anywhere near as good as like I've heard them, um, then you've still got. So I still think he'd be coming back and he'd still be like third, fourth choice striker. Yeah, and I've I seen Griffiths said that he wants to go back to Celtic, you know, and obviously Celtic fans do not want that. Well, the majority of them don't want that whatsoever. Um, but I was, it's even I'm looking at that Dundee team, right? See, when it comes to their Christmas night out, you've got Paul McGowan, Jason Cummings, Lee Griffiths, Charlie Adam, that's going to be a car crash of a night out, mate, isn't it? <laughs> Is it bad right. I can't want to go with them? <laughs> that would just be a car crash, man, like, genuinely. Um, yeah, but it's quite funny, though. Like, Jason Cummings must be quite happy that he's not the... That, like, you, like, obviously, he's, like, before Griffiths signed, Jason Cummings was the, the most immature player at the club. But, see, since Griffiths has signed, it's Lee Griffiths who's the most immature player at the club. So, Cummings must be delighted with that now. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, just touch a little bit on the other. Um, oh, well, I'll I think one last thing about Griffiths. Griffiths, Neil Lennon going back and forth in the media. Oh yeah, um, got to say, I, I can't can't help but be on Neil Lennon's side on that one. Yeah, like I seen what as was bad it? as yeah. Oh, sorry, on you go, Chris. Just got to say, as bad as both can be as each other, um, I've got to be on Neil Lennon's side on that one. Yeah, no, like, I think Neil Lennon's spot on, like, what you said about Lee Griffiths, that he is a waste of space, and he just, like, it's the same stuff every year, where you'll just turn up completely unfit and not being professional whatsoever, then Lee Griffiths saying that he's going to have, um, a, 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 like, I don't know exact, the exact quote, but I'll paraphrase it, it was something to the, or something along the lines of, like, when next time I see Neil Lennon, we're going to have some choice words, and you're like, oh, you're 31 years of age, mate, like, like you're, you're not a wee guy anymore, you know. Like, when's this guy ever going to grow up? It's, it's, he, is, he is embarrassing, you know. But yeah, like, I think the major, even though the majority of Celtic fans have soured on Neil Lennon, I think they will be in agreement with him and what he was saying about Griffiths. But in the same token, though, like, Neil Lennon kept Griffiths at the club, like, he knew what Griffiths was like. Why did he not just? try and oust him out of the club or like send them out and loan, do something. He's the one that still kept him um, and the team still gave him some opportunities, even though he said all that stuff about him last year, saying that he was unfit, unprofessional, uh, grossly overweight. It's just, I think it's a, it's a feud that Celtic fans like just want, they, they, they just don't care about it. It's two uh, individuals that they're not fond of anymore. And yeah, like I mean, just seeing them going back and forth, you're just like, it's just sad to be honest. You know, like it just it really is just sad. It's just I think it just sums up how terrible the the the, the standard was at Celtic. It just sums up how bad things were when you've got when you just look at the state of look at the state of Griffiths and Lennon now going back and forth. You know, in the media, and it just shows you like how bad it must have been at Celtic when those two were there. Yeah, I think uh, they were always clashing heads. Um, but yeah, um, just going back to this graphic that I basically copied that showed how start start one way different the team is from last year. We, we basically signed what a whole new team and let a team go. Like 
12 flip signings and 12 outgoings. So obviously Edward got his deadline day big money move away. It, probably not as much as it could have been a year ago. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I understand why we held on to him last year. Yeah, we'll come on to Edward now, actually. Um, so how do you feel about that? I feel as though that's a pretty uh, good bit of business Celtic done, considering the circumstances, the fact that Edward would have been out of contract or he would have been would have been available to speak to clubs in six months' time, you know. So £14 million for Edward to go to Palace, good bit of business, I would say. Yeah, as I, as I touched on before I let you come in, um, not as much, obviously, with reasons not for selling at the time, but yeah, we, we couldn't afford to let him go for nothing. As much as he was hot and cold towards the end of his Celtic career, we couldn't afford to let a player of his talent go for nothing. Yeah, and he's earning £75,000 a week at Crystal Palace, so <laughs> it's a lot of money, but how do you think he'll fare down in England? Interesting to see. I think it all depends on his attitude. I don't know if it'll improve now that he's kind of got that move that he was so desperately after. If he'll be hungrier, um, show what he's worth and get in the Palace team on a regular basis and get back to scoring goals for fun. Then Ryan Christie moved to Bournemouth for £1.5 and uh, he came out and he said that he's always had a crazy passion for Bournemouth. Uh, I, I I don't buy it when these people say their things like J- Jota was at that fan fan media press conference today and there was a story came up that he was at a Celtic Benfica Champions League game um, when he was a young boy and that his affinity for Celtic started then because he got a Celtic scarf at it. Um, kind of not out with the realms of possibility seeing as I can remember just about every time we were in the Champions League drawing Benfica but um I think that's just kind of like trying to win the fans over like a bit too quickly in that. It's almost like they get given a script or like a, a like a briefing from their agent, right? Say this and this, and you'll win them over. That will get a good start for you at Celtic, you know. <laughs> like that's what it's almost like. <laughs> um, yeah, but I uh, Chris we Chris we couldn't let afford go for nothing as well. It's disappointing that. Um, we only got as little for him. It's understandable why, but he was in our one. We couldn't let let go for nothing when his contract was up. And I think he only had six months left, so as well, just taking something for him. Yeah, and uh, is that all for the Celtic transfer uh, business? Um, just like how different the team is. Obviously, yeah. Ayer that was good business. I think for him, um, the main main downside I think was letting Cham go for nothing. Um. Edward, he's obviously PSG will get a nice chunk of the sell-on fee. Um, Henry, obviously, he's been something else. Like we kind of gave up on him and look, he's landed at Club Bruges. Um, and then just the loan ease, not, we didn't keep any of them off. Obviously, we're never going to extend Duffy's loan. John, John Joe Kenny, I actually literally forgot about. That's how forgettable his mark on Celtic was. Um, Moy, we weren't going to sign him permanent or get him on loan a third time. Black Saturday, um, that, that's kind of the position that's not been addressed for me, like left-back. Um, we played um, Juranovic out on the left, even though he's more of a right or centre-back. Um, skills can play left-back, but Greg Taylor and Bowling Goalie, who like the only real options on left-back, I think Taylor's, Taylor's injured now. 
and Bowling Goley isn't even in the European squad, so Ange obviously doesn't really get him in the team plans, has he? No, it doesn't seem like it at all. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll move on from uh, Celtic's business, and uh, I'll just go through the list of some of the other transfers that uh, happened that day. And Cedric Eaton went out on loan to uh, Germany, Chris. If I'm being honest, um, I'm, I'm happy he's went out on loan. I like Eaton. Um, I think he's got a future at Rangers, but if I'm being honest, I don't think he was going to get regular first-team football at Rangers with uh, Alfredo Morelos ahead of him, Kamar Roof, Sakala, even Jermaine Defoe. Like, I know probably Eaton's ahead of Jermaine Defoe in the pecking order, but let's be honest, when you've got Alfredo Morelos starting week in, week out, it's going to be difficult for you to get in the team. Like, obviously, like, so are you in the same agreement as me that it was right for Eaton to go out and get some regular football? Because I think he, he, he'll be, he, he'll just be in and out of the team this year if he stayed put. Yeah, probably the right thing for Rangers and probably the right thing for him as a player, getting a bit more regular action. Probably wouldn't do someone like Eaton, but any good, just kind of hovering on the bench and getting subbed on late and not really featuring. But one thing I did want to say about Rangers transfer business was you'd probably be glad that I mind after going out the Champions League to Malmo, your fear was you were going to lose somebody like a Ryan Kent, a Kamara, Morelos, or someone like that. So you'll be glad you held on to them and didn't need to sell any of them in then. Yeah, 100%. Like, because um, I remember saying you right after that, I was like, see, because we're going to miss out on that Champions League money, my, I was very concerned that we need to offload one of our like big players. And thank God that was not the case. Like I've seen a lot of Rangers fans uh, say that they were disappointed with like how the transfer window went. I'm like, why would you be? We've retained the the, the invincible squad from last year. We've kept Glenn Kamara, Fredo Morelos, Ryan Kent, Connor Goldson, Halander, Barisic, James Tavernier, Joe Aribo. We've kept all our big hitters. You know, so I'm absolutely delighted how it went. And Sakala, I, I, I'm very excited to see how he's going to do. Um, and like, and like, I'm like, because he's got like, I think a big future ahead of him. Um, Bacana, I'm excited to see how he's going to do too. Heard a lot of good things. I think he's going to improve a midfield. Uh, so I do. I think it just needs a bit more time to get settled. John Lundstrom, I know he's had a very slow start, so he has, but. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and just let him just kind of get accustomed to the size of Rangers and Scottish football. So I'm not going to write him off completely, but I've not been impressed with the start that he's made. But yeah, overall, I'm happy with the transfer window, you know, because see if we had lost like one of our big hitters, it would be, would have been a, a it would have been a huge blow. But, but the fact we were able to keep all of them, is such a huge, huge thing for Rangers, you know, and I'm just delighted I've got another year of Alfredo Morelos and all these crazy antics, you know, and obviously another year of Ryan Kent just terrorising folk down that left-hand side. And I was I was, I was, was convinced as well, like, uh, during, the, like, see, during the summer, I was kind of, like, 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 convinced that Glenn Kamara was going to end up leaving because he, he was one of the standouts in that Finland team. And there was a lot of eyeballs on him. He's getting a lot of praise in social media. So I was kind of concerned about that. But I'm glad he's staying put. Hollander came out and said that there was a interest from Leicester and Aston Villa. But he said he wasn't interested. He's very content and happy at Rangers, which is 
unbelievable news as well. And that obviously I touched on the Barisic earlier on. Uh, I thought that was him doing his farewells after the Old Firm game. Turns out it wasn't. He was just delighted to be in amongst a, f- a full 50,000 crowd beating Celtic uh, at Ibrox, you know. So, yeah, uh, I think just Rangers fans are just looking for something to moan about, to be honest, Chris. Yeah, and another time was speculated that Everton were interested in Nathan Patterson. You'll be glad to hold on to him. And I yeah, think if he'd went yeah. to Everton, it would, wouldn't have done his career development any good. No, yeah, I completely, I, I completely agree. Because see the offer that they, they put in for Nathan Patterson, it was embarrassing. I think it was like £5 million. Yeah, Gerard got asked about that after the Ross County game and he just laughed. He just laughed it off. Like Nathan Patterson is one of the best Scottish prospects, uh, prospects coming into the game. He's got a big future ahead of him. Like he's way ahead of his time. And their offer was just it was laughable. There was no way we were out so Nathan Patterson for that amount. Like, and as you say, it would have been the wrong move for him at the time to go down south because he should stay up here, play his football, get a bit more experience under his belt. And you've seen that when he was playing for Scotland, the guy's fearless, man. Like he has just got so much confidence going forward. He's got a fantastic delivery about him. He's not scared to take players on. Defensively, he's solid. He's just he's he's such an intelligent footballer, you know. So yeah, Rangers are very lucky in that right back department. We've got James Tavenier and Nathan Patterson. If, Ta- if Tavenier gets injured or whatever, we've got Patterson that can come in and slot there. And the worst comes to the worst, we've got. Leon Balligan, who obviously had a blinder against Celtic, you know. So, yeah, um, that was. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we kept Nathan Patterson. You know, I hope I've got him for a good few years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we'll come to Scotland a little bit um, later on. Is this you going to ask me another question about Rangers? Or? Um, I was just going to say, make the point about Patterson. Like, we'll talk a bit more about Scotland, but I think he changed the game for us on the right hand side on Saturday night against Moldova. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, um, welcome. Now I just want to just rattle through a few, like, a few yeah. some of the transfers uh, that happened on the uh, deadline day. Um, yeah, absolutely. So just let me get this wee list up. So yeah, today, by the way, Chris. Well, this isn't today. We're meant to be talking about deadline day, but we'll just talk about the recent transfers. Um, Barry McKay joined Hearts, so he did on a free, uh, on a free agent. Um, what do you make of that signing, Chris? I feel as though if Hearts can get him playing and play to his uh, strengths. I don't have a player uh, on their hands there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mind when he, well, first I took notice of him was when I was at the cup semi final and he scored that screamer in oh, extra yeah. time. Yeah, because um, see, Barry McKay, I feel as though he's the type of player where if you if you just like believe in him and like make him feel confident and loved and wanted. You can, he'll be a good player for you, you know. Um, he got a lot of criticism uh, in our first season back in the Premiership um, because people are they didn't like the fact that like he's not a player that likes to track back. He doesn't really like to like get stuck in, you know. But I think that's just the way he is. But if you just give him that good service down that right hand side, and like just believe in him, he will be a player. Like see, on his day, he is a very good footballer. You know, and Pedro Cassini, for some reason, just did not like him. He just soured on him. Um, I think, <laughs> I, th- I don't know if you ever heard the story, Chris. It was um, Pedro Cassini, like, came in to do a team talk and he called Barry Mackay Robbie. And Barry Mackay, in a monotone voice, 
don't know if you ever heard him speak right, but then he goes like this, he just said, I'm Barry. And then I, I think it was Andy Howell that told the story. How they said ever since that day when he just when he said that Casinha, Casinha just soured on him, and then Mackay was like one of the first out the door <laughs> in the summer, you know. Um, but yeah, I, Mark Warburton brought the best out of Barry Mackay when we had McKay, when Warburton first took over because like you you just brought up there, Chris, that screamer Mackay scored against Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi final. Like, band, there's clear talent there. Like, there's clear talent, clear talent there, and um, I think Hearts will be a good fit for Barry McCann, you know. So I wish him uh, all the best. Ali McCann and Jason Kerr left um, St Johnston. Uh, Ali McCann joined Preston, and Jason Kerr went to Wigan for a combined 1.8 million. That's how much both players overall went for. That's that's a big blow for St Johnston, Chris. Like, I feel as though like. I said it in the like when we're previewing um, the SPFL season. I think St Johnson are going to struggle this year. Yeah, I, um, I think they were always going to be bound to lose some some of their talent from um, coming up coming off a cup double. Um, so yeah, that will be massive massive blow to a couple like St Johnson. Yeah, and then Jamie McGrath at that level. Oh yeah, and Jamie McGrath um, has moved to Hibs. Fell through. At the last minute, I imagine a lot of St Mirren fans will be delighted at that because Jamie McGrath is such a key player for St Mirren. Yeah. Yeah, 110%. Like, um, I remember Graham, obviously, a uh, big St Mirren fan. He's been on the pod quite a few times. He was delighted that McGrath was staying, you know, and that could be a, a very, like, key component in St Mirren going forward to try and make the top six. But that's only if they're able to keep a hold of McGrath. But I imagine in January, Hibs will be back in uh, for Jamie McGrath, which will not surprise me at all because he is a very talented footballer. Um, and I forgot to bring this up earlier on. Uh, Katic has uh, went out and loan to a team in Croatia. Uh, so he has. I think that's a good move for Katic, Chris, um, purely because he's been injured the past year. You've got Halander and Goldson, who are... You've got, obviously, you've got Balogun as well. You've got Goldson, Halander... In Balogun, it's going to be quite difficult for Katic to get ahead of Golson and Halander, especially because that's Gerard's two favourites, you know. So I feel as though that's a good move for Katic just to get some regular first-team football as well, same as Ethan. But Katic needs to be playing, Chris. He's came back from a year-long injury. He just cannot be sitting on the sidelines, you know. And Katic as a defender, I rate very, very highly. You know, and I imagine you're a fan of Katic from the stuff you've seen. Remember when he scored that game? Sorry, that goal in the, the old firm game at Parkhead. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like Katic, a good player, man. Um, so I think that's a, a smart move. You know, and he can get me called in the next six months. So who knows? I think he might have a blinder uh, in Croatia. You know, he'll, yeah, be in, so- yeah, he'll be in his comfort zone because that's his, that's where he's from, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think it's a, a very wise move. Um, and Jamie Robson joined uh, Lincoln City. Jamie Robson actually scored, uh, like uh, Jamie Robson from Dundee United joined Lincoln City. Um, I think that's a. I was surprised at that, to be honest, I, because I think Jamie Robson's a a very decent player. He scored against us uh, earlier on this season, Chris, uh, at Tannadice, you know. So I think um, it surprised me. He went, he went for an undisclosed fee. Um, so 
I don't know, something like might have happened behind the scenes because I, I've always thought he was one of Dun United's best players, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that one kind of did surprise me, you know. But that's really all the, the major transfer news as of late that's uh, <coughs> occurred, you know. So we'll move on and we'll speak about Scotland. The mighty Scotland, Chris. Um, where do we start, man? Like, where do we start? Um, big game against Russia tonight. But before we speak about that, Denmark to Scotland now. Um, it was it was bad. Uh, first, especially first half, Chris. First half was horrendous. I'll say that we just looked so amateurish. Um, the two goals that we conceded. Um, we were defensively clueless, disorganised, far too easy for Denmark. So it was. Yeah, um, that was obviously meant to go to Denmark. I'm kind of glad, obviously, that fell through if I didn't pay out all that money to go and watch that. Um, Rob Robertson starting out right, um, that, that didn't work at all for me. Um, just let the two goals in quick succession were undoing completely outdone, outclassed. Um, Denmark are a funny side. They're like a team that can produce some like, world-class talent in that, they, and they can give big teams a game. And there's like, It's not hard to see why they made the run the Euros that they did get in the semi-finals um, without being like one of these like elite elite sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, like, it was like the fact that we it conceded the two goals in such quick succession it just, it was just, it was painful to watch. It really was. Second half was just slightly better, but mate, like some of our build-up play second half, I will say it was, it was okay. But in the final third, we lacked cutting edge. We just lacked any real quality. It, it, it was like it was easy stuff for Denmark, wasn't it? It was like they, we, we had we created like two or three like decent chances, but apart from that. Nothing really, you know. You 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 would have thought after the Euros, you would like you would see something different about like the way Scotland were going to set up. But it's the same old garbage. You would have thought Clark would have learned from his mistakes after the embarrassment at the Euros, but he, he clearly hasn't. We're still playing football from the yesterday. We're still playing absolute garbage stuff. Like, honestly, God, like I keep ranting about Steve Clark anytime Scotland comes up. But he is not the answer at all. Like he is flopped. I don't care what anyone says. He's flopped. And I- I'll say this now: I think Alex McLeish probably would have got us to the Euros, like due to the whole Nations League format. It wasn't that difficult. See if Steve Clark was in charge of the the old format, like of in charge of Scotland. Well, the old form old format was a thing. There's no way he w- we would have made the Euros. No chance. Yeah, and the the start line um, for Scotland is that. Um, after that Denmark game, before we beat Moldova on Saturday, we only two wins in eleven games. Yeah, no, no, it's it's bad. Like it is really bad. And we played Moldova on the Saturday. We won one nil. Um, it was expected, of course. We're playing Moldova. They are ranked one hundred. They're the one hundred seventy fifth ranked team in the world. Of course, you're expected to beat Moldova. But what did you make of that performance? Like it was. Was there, wasn't it? Like, yeah, like, we were in control, but as I said, like, you're you, you would expect us to be in control against bloody Moldova. 
yeah, like, it was kind of just like enough, really. It was like we Patterson let the effort and let the opening couple of minutes, and then it was um, his chance that was parried into the path of London Dykes, who just happened to be in the right place at the right time to tap at home. But other than that, the performance didn't really impress me that much. It was like Moldova only really had that like, header that Gordon had to deal with, I think it was. And other than that, we kind of just didn't really look like we were in danger. So that was how we were kind of able to comfortably ride it out. Yeah. And then, like, see, doing one thing, it, it really uh, frustrates me about the Scotland team. Defensively, we are weak. But see, when you look at that midfield, like, that midfield we've got, like, it's, and especially the wingers, we've got real talent there. So why not use our strengths and hide the weaknesses? Like, why not, like, take something from England the way they set up, where they set up with a 3 4 3? Why don't we do something like that? Why not? Like, because we've got the players to play good attacking football. And, like, of course, like, in the striking department, like, we're, we're okay. I think Dykes is decent. Nisbet, I think he's pretty good as well. But, like, were you, were you in agreement with me on this, right? Why, instead of just playing negative dinosaur football, why not just go for, like, something like a 3-4-3, you know, have wing-backs on the wing, and then obviously have uh, wingers uh, up top as well, and then look at the way England done it. They made the Euros. I know England, Scotland, two totally different teams, but some of the players that we've got in the Scotland team, like Patterson, Robertson, like Ryan Christie, John McGinn, Billy Gilmore, you know, like... We've got some real talent. And Ryan Fraser, like, we've we've got some real talent now that we can utilise and we're not doing it. Like, we're just, like, we're not, like, playing to their strengths at all. No, definitely not. And you've just rhymed off, like, <clears throat> some of those names there. They're playing for top clubs in England and that, and probably some of them you could put in, like, the world-class bracket. So it's like, why, why not utilise them, eh, these strengths and that? And play some pretty dynamic football, it's just still kind of negative backward tactics, as you've said. Yeah, no, like, honestly, it is, like, infuriating, you know, because, like, like, see us making the World Cup, that would be bigger than making the Euros, you know, and the way it's going now, it's looking very unlikely that we're going to do that. Like, tonight's a big game against Austria. There are one point behind us, so they are, and just say they get a result tonight, that's our campaign officially kaput. Yeah, probably. This is kind of like the game we need to go and get a result in. Um, Austria, I didn't realise. I, I watched back sports scene just this afternoon, so to have a wee bit to talk about it. Apparently they're ranked like 80 or something in the FIFA rankings. I don't look too much into these FIFA rankings. I think they're a load of nonsense for the most part. Um, but, yeah, it's like, this is kind of like the game we're going to want something out and it's something, something we need to try and capitalise. I didn't expect Israel to beat them 5-2 to the weekend, so that put us above Austria. Um, kind of need to get something from each one of these games and then it still could boil down to this Denmark game at Hamden to conclude the campaign that the difference between us making the playoffs or not. Mm-hmm. Like, and see, I'm looking at the, our fixtures coming up, right? So tonight, Austria, like, what would you say your prediction is for that? I'm, like, I've seen what Cal McGregor said. Um, 
uh, I think it was uh, yesterday he said that he said this is a must not lose game. You're like, oh, that gives you that gives you such great confidence. Like Scotland are going into this game saying we just can't lose. What about this is a must win game? It's just it annoys me. It's a pure loser mentality with Scotland team where it's like see if a Rangers player came out and said this is. Like we can, we just cannot lose this game. That's it. We just cannot lose. No, I want to hear a Rangers player. I want to hear a Scotland player come out and say this is a must-win game tonight. Is it a must-win game? That's what it is. It's not a must-not-lose game. Yeah, quite you quite know? a lot of these away fixtures. Like it's like you'd rather like just not lose and be a bit conservative and take a point. It's like no, you you need to win some of these games to if you really want to make these World Cup playoffs. Yeah. And see if we lose tonight, that's it officially. I, I like it's done, obviously. And then look at I'm looking at the fixtures, right? So we've got Scotland, Israel, um, after Austria. At the, that's at uh, Hamden Park. That's gonna be a crunch one. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a big one, mm-hmm. obviously. Um our record against Israel was not great at all, Chris, is it? No. Um don't, so, don't know what it is because we've obviously got pretty accustomed to them. Um, I can only remember beating them and uh, First Nations League campaign, like beating them at Hamden the last game, and that was the game that secured the playoff run that got us to the Euros. Under Alex, Alex McCush as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, we drew with them in the, like, well, we got them in the Nations League playoffs because I think they qualified through um, qualifying. So we drew that and then drew with them again and lost to them away. So yeah, not the greatest track record in the world. Yeah, so um, right, so Scotland is real. I'm going to say, depending on tonight, right? Do you know what tonight? I think I think it'll be. I'm going to go for a. I think it's going to be one each, right? I think it'll be one each tonight. Scotland is real. I'm going to say I think that'll be a draw. and all. a Faroe Islands, yeah, we'll beat them, right? Faroe Islands, yeah, that's three points. Moldova away. You would like to think we'll beat Moldova away, right? So that's six. Denmark, I think Denmark will beat us, to be honest. Um, but even if we do make the playoffs, Chris, I think we're just going to get landed against a real top team and it'll, that'll be us, Gubbed. I think it's um, even for the World Cup playoffs, I think they're kind of similar to like Euros, like Sunday oh, really? one-legged playoffs. Like, I like 14 brackets and it'll be like, it'll be randomly determined who's at home and like what tie in that and it'll be like, Two semis, basically one-legged semis, and then a one-legged final, one home venue. Mm. Yeah, so tonight will be interesting, Chris. It will be interesting, but I think um, a lot of Scotland fans are starting to wake up and smell the coffee. They're, I think they're starting to see where I've been coming from for a long period of time. Where, like, going into the Euros, I know I was so negative, but I was, I can understand why I was being negative because I was being realistic about how Steve Clark is not the right guy. And I, I, I wanted to be proved wrong. I really did. But look what happened. I was proved right. I said, like, on the season review, when I was predicting the Euros, like, how Scotland would do. I said, we'll finish with one point. And that's, <laughs> we finished rock bottom. That's exactly what happened, you know. And that game against the Czech Republic was a key one. That was a game that absolutely gubbed Scotland. That was a game that Scotland should have went on and won and Scotland bottled it. Then Scotland go down to 
Wembley, get a point. Scotland fans are all buzzing. I'm just like, we just threw it out. We need to go in and play Croatia. Like, it doesn't matter if we've just drew England. We need to go get a result against Croatia. Croatia beat us 3-1. You know, and we only scored one goal at that Euros. Just one. Just one goal. And it was... I thought... I really thought that was going to be it for Clark after that. But no, uh, apparently he's been off a new deal. Yeah, he's, he's signed it. Um, it should have really come down to um, this World Cup campaign. Um, just because like, he got to see Euros, um, didn't play well at them when we actually got there, and yet he still got rewarded with it before this uh, World Cup campaign is done. It's like, are we happy we finally broke the 23-year wait and are we going to wait another 23? Um, is we, will we make two Euros in a row? Yeah, like I, I've said it for a while, I would love for us to do something different just like think outside the box. I would love for us to go for someone like Klinsman. I would love that. I think he's got a great. Um, he's, he, I think he's a, a good manager. I think he's got a great philosophy when it comes to football. I think he would be a real different, fresh appointment. And he he's he's done well at international uh, football as well. He took Germany to the the World Cup semi finals. He's took uh, the USA to. A couple of World Cups, if I'm sure, you know. So I think that would be a really good appointment. He's out of work, and I think uh, he would see the Scotland job as a real challenge. And I think he would thrive working with some of the attacking players that we have, like some of the quality we've got, you know. And th- that's for sure. We won't see negative football under Klinsman, you know. And I think Scotland fans are just sick to the back teeth of just how depressing it is to watch Scotland nowadays. Yeah, and the. Just say somebody like Plunsman, that would be something we get every excited and probably draw a lot of people to the Scotland team that watch Scotland that otherwise wouldn't because it seems like the SFA just played far too conservatively and just hire whatever Scottish guys there, but with without a club job, there it, it would be happy to take Scotland on. Yeah, watch this right. See if Clark was to resign after the World Cup campaign, which he won't, right. But if he was to, guess who they would go a point? They'll go and appoint Derek McInnes. That's what they do. And that's not much of an improvement uh, from Steve Clark because we all know how bad <laughs> Derek McInnes' football is, you know? So that's just like, just copy and paste. That's literally what that would be. Yeah, Derek McInnes, who funnily enough was in front of me at Albion Rovers on Saturday when I was that's doing right, the up there. That's right, man. <laughs> but I wonder why he was there. No idea, unless he's scouting something around. I don't think he's got much hope in the B team. They get beat 6-0 off Albion Rovers, so unless he's watching them in case Jim Goodwin gets sacked off St. Man or something. Yeah, and oh, before we go, Chris, um, we need to mention vaccine passports. Um, the mm-hmm. government are going to be having a vote on vaccine passports uh, for large uh, events, and I think that's happening, uh, is it this week or next? Uh, Thursday. Thursday, so um, what? So we'll, we'll speak about that. What do you make of that then, Chris? Like, if this goes through, then that will mean people who have not had the vaccine will not be able to attend uh, football matches until late November, December. So, like, you know my thoughts on it, but I'll ask uh, yours first. Yeah, I think it's... Um... Just a case of like they're trying to force people to comply. I think it's actually a bit of a propaganda tool. Um, there's still so many unanswered questions. Um, in fact, did they not come out and say? I think someone raised a valid point on Twitter. Um, it's 
they were saying it's one rule for us and another rule for them because um, players and staff not going to need it. Will they still be able to just test negative and then they'll get the approval to play? Could be yeah. one rule for all if they're going to push something like this through. Yeah, no, like no, yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think you're spot on. You know, when it's um, at, like you and I are, um, I think no, we we both are like for like the vaccine for people to get it and that, right? But and so it shouldn't be forced upon people. It should never be forced upon people. It's their it's their own personal decision, you know. And the way the government are going about this, where they're basically they're not forcing you to get it, but they're pressuring you to get it. They're pressuring you to get the vaccine in order for you to go out and have a normal life, you know. And I think it's just it's just wrong on so many levels. I think it's disgusting. I'm I'm so against it, you know. And I think obviously I don't, we don't want to get too political here, right? But I will say I like uh, Scottish Labour stance on it, where they're just saying why not just use a negative test? That's enough because even if you've been double vaccinated, you can still pass on COVID. You know, so a, a negative test will be more effective than a vaccine passport. Yeah, because that actually is, you basically say, is that proves you what not got the virus. Um, don't know how it works. If you, you can test negative one day, possibly, you could maybe still be carrying it, not showing symptoms yet, and still possibly spread it. Who knows? But um, a vaccine passport, that just simply proves you've had a jag and nothing else, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, fingers crossed uh, it does not go through because that'll be damaging to so many football fans who have not been double vaccinated or like had the vaccine at all, you know. Um, so, yeah, just fingers crossed it doesn't go through, it gets blocked uh, because like people, who, like people who have like paid fortunes for their season ticket, fortunes, they're going to miss out on a good chunk of football due to this ridiculous law that might be implemented implemented uh, in Thursday, you know, so yeah, it's, I just, I'm not a fan of it at all, not a fan of it at all, I've seen that, I think um, down in England, um, Old Trafford um, are uh, actually saying that you can only attend the game if you've been double vaccinated. Um, well, I know England are putting in a similar law. Um, Boris Johnson announced that for England um, basically on their Freedom Day and it was met with a lot of criticism. A lot of industries were saying their Freedom Day last, didn't even last 24 hours and were being landed with us by the end of September. So um, not too surprised. Some places are kind of voluntarily doing it already. Um, just if they do get approved then it's a matter of time before everywhere has to. Yeah, so we'll just wait and see what happens. Um, so is there anything else, Chris, you want to bring up before we, we shoot off? Um, well, the, the Scotland team for tonight's been announced. Um, that was something we didn't touch on. Um, we talked about Nathan Patterson, the impact he made. He'd pull out the squad. Um, there was another couple of pull-outs, and who did they call up? Uh, Paul McGinn. So like, what's Paul the point McGinn, in that? Do you think Rouse is going to go out instead of Paul again? Um, well, he's not in the squad. Um, there's apparently injuries that he didn't join up with the squad, but uh, Stephen O'Donnell's starting out right tonight, which... Uh, <laughs> it was better than Robertson out, right? Um, yeah, true. Well, no, yeah, I know. Like, I don't, like, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Like, it, it, like, 
or you would rather have a natural right back outright instead of a left back outright, you know. So yeah, I can understand that, but it's just like I've got PTSD from Stephen O'Donnell and Euros, man. <laughs> right. Had that chance against England, but uh, yeah, other than that, I think it's mostly the same side. Um, Adams is in for Nesbitt, they're keeping Dykes up front as well, so two strikers. Um, other than that, is that the only other change I can see? Like O'Donnell's in for Patterson and Adams in for Nesbitt. I think that's the only changes to the starting 11 from Saturday. Mm. And another thing I've got through um, as we were on air, um, Kyogo came off injured for Japan today, so that'll be one to watch, see how severe that is. Did he come off just normal injury or like stretcher? Um, my my mates just dropped the text saying Kyogo came off injured today. No details on like how serious it looked or anything. But I think it's if he came off stretcher. I think I think your pal would have said. I think it would be it would be what it would be like. Kyogo Kyogo comes off in a stretcher. Yeah, um, hopefully it'll be nothing to worried about. And if he is going to miss time, then it won't be for too long at all. Mm. So, um, yeah, Chris, good episode. Um, fingers crossed. Scotland get the three points tonight. Not, I'm not optimistic about it at all, but hope I'm, uh, I hope I'm wrong. But until next time, guys, take care, and we will see you soon.